Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Luke chapter 21, verses 8 to 36. And Jesus said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then Jesus said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for he will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its destruction has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and its waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, 
when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise up your heads, because your redemption draws near. And Jesus told them a parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you will see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We live in a world of upheaval and turmoil. Injustice seems to be constantly gaining the upper hand. Despair and fear have become bywords of a world torn apart by bitterness and division. Watching our world convulsing, seeing events destabilizing and growing more dangerous, many people, whether religiously minded or not, are concerned. Founded in 1947 by University of Chicago scientists, the Doomsday Clock counts the minutes to the destruction of humanity. The time in 2019 is currently two minutes to midnight. These scientists state, the current world security situation is a new abnormal in which fact is becoming indistinguishable from fiction. This emboldens autocrats and lulls citizens around the world into a dangerous sense of anomie and political paralysis. Nationalist leaders and their surrogates have lied shamelessly, insisting that their lies were truth and the truth fake news. These intentional attempts to distort reality diminish confidence in elections and democratic institutions because they attack the rational discourse required to solve the complex problems facing humanity. Friends, we are living in difficult and troubling times. There will certainly be a coming global economic meltdown within the next few years. The popping of the housing, consumer spending, private credit, stock market, and government debt bubbles. The globalists who want to create a one-world system will not stop trying to destabilize and destroy whatever is in their way. Christians in entire regions like Iraq and Syria have nearly been wiped out and there is increasing widespread worldwide persecution of believers. All of this increasing turmoil and pressure is something our Lord predicted would increase in the passage we are studying today, Luke chapter 21. This speech of Jesus, also reported in the Gospels of St. Matthew and St. Mark, is not in fact very optimistic about worldly progress. It is rather a dramatic and frightening account of the ruination of the world, the end of the world as we know it. Jesus said to his disciples in verse 25, 
There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. According to Jesus, it is in the devastation of the world, in the destruction of all worldly hopes and expectations that our salvation comes to us. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. This speech of Jesus is generally interpreted as a prophecy about the end of time, and all down the centuries there have been preachers who have sought to discern the signs of the end in their own day. These prophecy predictors have misunderstood verse 32, which states, This generation shall not pass away until all will be fulfilled. The best understanding of this verse is that Jesus is saying that before the generation then living dies, all these predictions concerning the destruction of the temple and the Jewish people will be fulfilled. That's exactly what happened. In 70 AD, Titus, the son of the Roman emperor Vespasian, led siege to Jerusalem for five months and eventually completely destroyed the temple to the last stone. Jerusalem was left in ruins, and Josephus the historian says that over one million Jews perished through famine and the sword. This was a time of unprecedented, tremendous suffering and misery for the Jewish nation. And the apostles did indeed suffer persecution and martyrdom according to Jesus' words. In order to understand this chapter of Scripture, we must see verses 10 to 24 as being fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, and verse 25 to 36 as Jesus predicting his own second coming in the future. Jesus begins in verse 25 by stating that before he comes, there will be worldwide distress in which the whole life of the nations on earth will be disrupted through the anxiety and terror that will overwhelm people and make them desperate. Clearly, this period of distress and disruption has begun. How long it will last, we do not know. But we must be very careful here. When anyone starts predicting a precise timeline of future events leading up to Christ's return, he is far away from the content and spirit of what Jesus is teaching us. Prophecy conferences and programs predicting the future are not to be our focus. End-time movies and best-selling last-days books are great money-makers but they only cause greater misunderstanding and confusion about what the Bible really teaches. Bible prophecy teachers since the 1970s have tended to find fulfilled Bible prophecies in each new major geopolitical event. They make predictions, the predictions don't come true, and then they have to change their original teaching to cover their embarrassment. Listen, beloved. End-time sensationalism and a focus on prophecy is a distraction from our true marching orders. What is it that Jesus commands us in verse 46? Watch and pray. 
In other words, watch carefully over your life. Pray continually against sin in your own life. Don't stray in your heart away from God. Constantly pray that God will help you stand firm in all temptations, struggles, and distress. This is the main point of Jesus' teaching. What we need to see is that this chapter does have to do with future events that are coming, but it also has a reference to the present. It's a comment about the world in which we live and about the way in which we live in it here and now. It is, in fact, a supremely relevant and devastating criticism of our own worldliness, our worldly hopes and expectations. The point is this. For all of us, and for each one of us individually, this world and the things of this world must pass away, not just in some vague, remote, and unimaginable future, but right now. They are passing things. That is their very nature. They are passing things, and they are passing away, even as we grasp them in our hands. No cleverness, no wishful thinking, no advanced technology can make them anything other than transitory things. It is foolish for us to focus our hopes and expectations upon such things. What foolishness to set our hearts upon them. Each day comes, each day goes, never to be relived again. And yet, how many people in our world waste away their lives? They live like Ebenezer Scrooge in Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, shut off in their own self-centeredness, counting their money and possessions. A modern version of Ebenezer Scrooge might be the person consumed with their iPhone and the Internet. Separated from real human interaction, they waste time on Facebook socializing and sending silly pictures of themselves and their activities. Then they surf over to Amazon to do some shopping, then send out a Twitter, then check their LinkedIn business page, click over to Instagram, text another friend, and then write back to Facebook. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Let's continue our lesson. I think we all know how foolish this is, how seductive modern social media is. It promotes a compare and despair attitude where we look at what someone else has and wonder why we can't be the same. 
research has demonstrated the very many negative and damaging effects of social media, yet millions of people worldwide are addicted to it. Yes, beloved, it may help to connect with others across distances, but frankly, the disadvantages greatly outweigh the benefits. Beloved, the emphasis upon technology and our dependence upon social media is simply worldliness, and it has engulfed many even in the church. Best-selling books and movies on the end times are simply worldliness. How seductive and how subtle are the claims of worldliness, and how easily, how thoughtlessly we are taken in. Worldliness confidently invades the church of God, urging us to conform to the methods, ideals, and manners of the present age for fear that we might be irrelevant. The peril is that the worldly church becomes irrelevant to heaven. Jesus is trying to teach us that worldliness is folly and that only when we can see the folly of it can we lift up our heads and see our redemption drawing near. One godly pastor says, the church is the sacrament of the kingdom. Another way of saying this is that the church is the sacrament of the Holy Spirit, the sacrament of the age to come. As the sacrament of the kingdom, the church exists to reveal and manifest the kingdom. In God's kingdom, we think and see in accordance with all that is right and true. Kingdom thinking is to want what God wants and to build our lives around the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ. The kingdom model is obedience, stability, and sacrifice. We obey the word of God. We worship at an immovable altar and a set liturgy. We follow Jesus' example of sacrifice. No cross, no crown. No pain, no gain. With kingdom thinking, we learn to see ourselves as God sees us, defines us, and judges us. God becomes the frame of reference, the criterion for everything. I am not the measure of all things. God is. God does not know me because I am, but I am because God knows me. God does not love me for what I am, but I am because God loves me. Do you see the truth of these words? In the modern world, everything rotates around the self. Self-identity, self-expression, my rights, my wants, my, my, my. In the kingdom of God, everything rotates around God himself, God's beauty, God's holiness, God's wants and desires, God's supremacy and God's glory. Look at verse 29 of our passage. And Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Too often, Christians have taken this fig tree illustration as only referring to the signs of the end times. But there is a wider, deeper, richer kingdom application here. The signs of the kingdom of God are everywhere around us every day, 
if only we have the eyes to see them. The Christian's hope is an otherworldly hope. We don't put our faith in political systems and governments. We look towards a Savior who has no worldly power, no worldly recommendation of any sort. Our hope is placed in the poor and helpless infant of Bethlehem, the eternal Word of God made flesh. Our hope is the contradiction of all worldly hopes and expectations. The heavens and the earth will pass away. They are passing away at every moment. This world and all its affairs are passing away at every moment. But the word of God does not pass away. And in that word, we have the blessed hope of everlasting life. Because these things are true, we need to ask by way of application, What do we do when the world around us seems to be falling apart? What do we do as the doomsday clock seems to click closer to midnight disaster? Jesus offers three directives in these verses to his disciples. Number one, don't be misled by false promises. Number two, don't be terrified. And number three, don't prepare your testimony in advance. In other words, don't be anxious, don't look for quick fixes, and don't become defensive. Yet sadly, when the world seems to be falling apart, we do exactly the things Jesus tells us not to do. We do become anxious. We seek a quick fix to lift our burden. We excessively worry. And we seek in our mind a defense or retribution against those who have caused the hurt we are experiencing. What is the real goal in a time of difficulty and anxiety? To race off to yet another prophecy conference to hear the latest rollout of end-time events? No, beloved. Verse 13 says, These things will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. When troubled times come, as distress and perplexity increase, Jesus wants us to share our story of how he impacts our lives, how he has transformed us into a new creation, people who belong to an otherworldly kingdom. Yes, Jesus is coming back a second time. But we are not to concern ourselves with predicting his return. We are to get on with doing the master's business. We are to love, adore, and serve the King of Kings until he comes. The word testimony means witness. To witness to who God is and what he has done. To witness means to show with our words, our actions, and our whole life to whom our real allegiance lies and where the foundation of our life truly is. Jesus says that we are not to prepare a defense in advance to combat those who have injured us. Why? Because then we end up with self-defense and not a real living testimony of God's grace within us. We're not called upon to defend ourselves against those who have hurt us, but to give a testimony of the grace and power of God so powerful that our opponents will not stand against us. A Christian testimony brings forth words that flow not from pain and anger, but from love. 
They are words from one transformed and saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Instead of being led astray, fearful, or defensive, we are to enter into the good and blessing of the kingdom of God now, even as we wait for the final fulfillment of his kingdom at the end of time when our Lord returns at his second coming. One more thing before we close. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22:12, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. The Greek word soon does not always mean after a short space of time. Rather, it means quickly, suddenly, unexpectedly. When our Lord does return to earth, his return will be sudden and unexpected. We are not to focus on trying to figure out when Christ will return, trying to predict times and seasons. We are to always be watchful, prayerful, and spiritually awake so that we are ready when our Master does return. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 